0: So, I want to preach from, um, from Colossians 3. That's where we've been at in the. Sorry, Chuck. I <laughs> didn't <Hold on. laughs> see you there. Uh, You're very welcome, bro. I'm um, going to speak from Colossians 3. Um, that's where we've been in the Bible project. That's what we've been, uh, we've been dwelling on. And over the past couple of weeks, that's the, that's the passage that really stuck out. You know, we have this pattern in the self and penny. We read the Bible in the morning. It's from her kid's Bible. And um, that was the one that just sparked off the most like discussion over the past couple of weeks, the one that we've been stuck into. Um, And I want to just read it out, put it out there front and centre, but the question that I think it answers for us this morning, you know just as Christians we realise, or we have glimpses of it, I don't know if we walk around in the full realisation of it, but there's this huge calling on our lives, yeah? We believe somehow that we are worth the life of the Son of God, we've been redeemed, we have this hope of heaven, we've got this language of the Kingdom of God, we've got this promise of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and this big call on our lives, right? And then we read scripture and we see all these sorts of ways that it tells us to to behave or to not behave. And sometimes I find when when you read that stuff, it can just be, it can be overwhelming rather than than empowering, if that that makes sense. Because there's such a big call in, it can constantly feel like, well, maybe I I don't really live, I don't really live up to that. Do you know what I mean? To that, to that standard or to whatever. So sometimes that big call, that big expectation that's been placed in our, in our lives, that big ambition, which, which at times can drive us and be great, at other times can almost like, like weigh us down because we can feel well, I don't know how to live up to that. I feel that, that this, this passage in Colossians addresses how we actually get to... To live that life in a way that isn't about pressure, isn't about adding on, try harder, isn't not about just adding religion after religion or coming along. You don't need to come here this morning and hear Rob tell you you're not doing good enough, try harder, come back next week. Yeah, that, that's, and that's not what the, gospel, what the gospel tells us. That's not the message of it. And my prayer, my hope is that we spend time in this passage this morning that we see how, how real transformation happens in our lives. We're reminded of that great gospel truth again that Jesus changes us from the inside out as we behold his glory. We're transformed from one degree of glory to another, um, and that we come to see and glimpse some of who Jesus is. Right. So as I read this, I want you to to, to to hold that in your mind. How do we how do we actually change? How do we come to to live um, this life? I put all of the scripture on the one slide. Which, as soon as I put it on here this morning, I read it because it's tiny. Right. So you're not going to be able to read it. Um, so hopefully you have you need your Bible or your with and you can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> read along with me, right? Um, but I wanted to put it all on there just to keep it, keep it up there as I'm preaching. Yeah? Even just symbolically. This is not about what's coming out of here. It's about what's, what's coming out of the mouth of the Lord. Yeah? Um, so let me, let me read it out, right? It's just incredible. Since, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming And you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilised, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all... Clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. So just incredible scripture. Incredible, incredible. But at its, at its first reading, we tend to, or I tend to, or let me speak for myself and see does this connect with you, right? I tend to read all of that, and what sticks out is kind of the list of the, the do's and the don'ts. There's do's in there, like don'ts in there. Don't be greedy, don't be angry, don't, don't lie. Do's in there, like forgive one another, counsel each other, sing psalms and hymns, teach one another. And we'll get to all those, those do's and don'ts, right? Because they're important. But what's essential is that we realize that the gospel, that scripture, that passages like this never just give us a list of, of do's and don'ts because the Christian life is, is something else. What Jesus did for us, what so we sang about this morning, is it's unique. And it's the point around which everything else orbits. So rather than this scripture being a call to, like, okay, do the right things and stop doing the wrong things. The Holy Spirit operates at a deeper level in us. I can't even do that this morning. Calling us to remember, like Terry said, and to recognise who we are in Jesus, to make that our focus, to make that our delight, to be immersed in that, and to consider our lives in light of the fact that when we put our faith in Jesus, when we were saved, something happened internally to us, that we became new creations, that our story became connected to Jesus' story in an incredible way. Things changed forever life-changing way. His story became our story. And revelation of that fact enables us to live in the kind of ways that we know we're called to live, those big kind of ways. But we don't shortcut that revelation and just try to start to do it. It's, It's revelation and response that produces what it is that God wants to produce in our lives. It's more about identity than it is about behavior. Like I said, when I read it first, I tend to hard, like focus on the lists. I did a slower reading of it again, right? And I, I highlighted for you guys here all of the ways in which this actually speaks about who we are and who Jesus is. All of those ways in, in yellow, like, speak about the truth of who we are. So aside from the list of don't do this and do this, there's this, there's this like, incredible truth, just in this one chapter. If all we had even was this one chapter, we, we would have just like incredible insight into the scope of what Jesus had done. And this stuff should amaze us. It should floor us. It should leave us in awe. It should leave us like, like what? Like how incredible is this? And, and Father, I pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit as I speak, just, just don't let me ramble words. I pray that your words would carry weight this morning that as we speak about these things, these words that we're used to hearing, cliches of life in Christ, raised with Christ, that... Lord, don't let them just be words, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, let them let them touch our hearts and spark our imagination open new pathways in our brains, whatever it looks like, Lord, for us to realise that this is speaking about, about who we are. I pray there will be a revelation, an understanding, a, a, a seeing of you, Jesus, this morning, and in light of that, a recognition of who we are. Because of that, amen. Listen to the, the look, just some of the words that are highlighted, right? You probably can't see this. But look, you've been raised to new life for Christ. So set your sights on the things of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Yeah, it's talking about your identity. You've been raised. It says, for you died to this life; your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Right? Mind-blowing things. Then think about this stuff. Give your attention to this stuff. How often do we just do we do we dwell on this stuff? Set your sights on it. It goes on there's a list of kind of things not to do, and then. But the reason it says why we shouldn't do them is because you did them while your life was still part of this world. But now you've stripped off your own sinful nature and its wicked deeds, and you're to put on your new nature and be renewed. As you, as, as you be renewed, as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. I mean, huge comment. That's honest. Be renewed as you come to know your Creator and become and become like Him. It goes and spells it out clearly verse 11. You think well, like, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. It reminds us that God chose you to be the holy people you love, and then it calls us to put on love. It says that the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. It calls us members of one body. It says that the message about Christ in all his riches fill your lives. with the wisdom that he gives. There's none of that there that says drum up your own righteousness. There's none of that there that says, see that list and when we mentioned lying and you felt bad about it. Try not to lie next week now. Instead, it's constantly reminding you, do you know what Jesus has done? Do you know the scope of it? Do you know what the cross accomplished? Do you know what it means that he was raised from the dead? And do you know what it means that your story has been connected to his story? Do you understand who you are because of what Jesus has done? And the capability that you now have because he lives inside of you? It's not about just this list of do's and don'ts. I miss that when I, when I read scripture. Here's, here's what happens in my heart, right? I read those scriptures, right? And I see this, like, get rid of anger, race, rage, malice, slander, dirty language, right? And here's what happens in my head. Like I do a mental checklist. Yeah, straight away I see it and I kind of condemn myself. So maybe I wasn't angry angry malice, I don't know, this is slander, maybe I don't do that. You know what I mean? But but like, I wasn't completely patient. Or so a little, little checklist, right? a little religious checklist, Rob, you're not doing too bad. And then I'll weigh it up against, because there's usually a separate list, and it says, here's the things to do. Make allowance for other people's faults, forgive, put on kindness, humility, gentleness. I'll be like, yeah, I'm humble, I'm proud about it, but I'm humbler. Right? I'm like, yeah, uh, put on gentleness, I can be gentle at times, but I'll, like, I'll do this kind of like a rhythmic pitch to like, what way do I stand before God right now? Am I like, like do, the, do the positives outweigh the negatives, yeah? And I think that's possibly what a lot of us do when we see this stuff, because that's where it hits home, because we know our own hearts. We know the way that we talk to our spouse, or our kids, or our boss, or our subordinates, or whatever it was during the week. We know the things that went through our minds, like when we woke up in the morning. We, we get it, and we do that analysis. That but in the middle of all that analysis, you see how much of this is like, is yellow? How much of this just speaks about the greatness of who God is? Like, and why is it that when we read it, we just pull out the bits that is about our own standard and our own behaviour? You have this tendency, for some reason, I don't know why, to forget about Jesus and to step into some righteousness of our own, to like, want to stand before God or before men just based on the things that, that we've done ourselves. And where does it lead, guys? It just leads to like, like, when is good enough good enough? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's relentless. It's, it's brutal. It's, uh, it's ruthless. <laughs> it's, it's not satisfying. Like on and on again. We keep measuring our lives. We keep measuring our lives. We're not called to measure our lives. We're called to behold Jesus. Be floored. Be in awe. And the Bible tells us somehow. When we do that he changes us. That we become what we behold. That we reflect the glory of God. And that he changes us from the inside out. The only thing. That, 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 looking at yourself, looking at those verses without beholding Jesus can produce in you is either despair or pride. I want to do? Despair? I'm not good enough. Pride? I think I am good enough. Like neither of them are fruits of the Holy Spirit. Neither of them will lead you into life and life in all its fullness that Jesus offers. For some reason, our attention yeah tends to go inward rather than than upward. That's why the scripture even opens with, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. How is it that we can read that, the opener, right? So I'm going to tell you a lot of things here. Think about the things ahead and other things of earth. And then we read the list and there's some things of earth that our mind just like, sucks us back into. Into that stuff. The temporal rather than the eternal. The, the struggle rather than the victory. We need to remember Jesus. We need to give our attention to what matters. To Set our minds on things that are above. And Look, that's, that's not easy. That's why we need one another. That's why we need church. That's why we need scripture. That's why we need to be closely connected. Especially I think in this age, right? I don't know, I didn't get to live in another age, but we live in an age where, where, where our attention is up for grabs, yeah? And it's like competed for at everything like marketing, media, newspapers, but whatever. Like something is always out there looking to grab your attention. And we live in a technological age where, where your attention, believe it or not, this is your attention is the commodity that the biggest companies in the world are fighting over. Just to grab your attention. Why do they want your attention? So that they can—it becomes a commodity. So that they can sell it. So they can monetize it. Yeah. So these things that we all carry in our in our pockets, right, with the apps on them, they're cynically designed using the best of the technology, the best studies in neurology and psychology and how the human brain work, mind works to leverage, like how our, our our brains work, to cause us to engage with them more, so that they can sell us more stuff. Yeah. And that's exact, That's exactly how it works. It's cynical. It's not. It's not. These things don't exist to make the world a better place. There aren't companies out there like who are producing this stuff just like altruistically. You know, like these things exist to leverage your attention, to grab your attention, and they use like the most like in depth, like the best that human brains have to offer in terms of how we can cause people to engage with this. Even as I was writing this sermon, I compulsively reached from my phone 20, 30 times, yeah? And even if I didn't reach for it, a notification would pop up that causes me to grab it, yeah? And then when I grab it, like, so, so what happened just there? Someone like um, Terry, speaking from Luke 22, and I was like, I'll look up Luke 22. I open Luke 22, my emails are already open, so I scan the emails, right? Before I go to the Bible app. It's just like, it's just designed to, to, to grab you in. And it's like all of the, the money in the world is being aligned to get, can I get these people's attention? Can I get these people's attention? Because then I can either make money off it or I can sell it to somebody who wants their, their attention. We live, we live in that space. It's not a coincidence that we find ourselves addicted to our phones. They're designed to be addictive. Yeah, like it's, it's designed to, to, to pull you in. And the truth is that in this age, unless you have a plan for how you're going to interact with that technology, with that stuff, that you'll be sucked into the behaviours that those, those companies, those corporations want from you. Because your, your attention is the biggest commodity around people. The biggest commodities used to be natural resources, etc. But increasingly, the commodity that they fight for, that they compete for, is kind of get like people's, people's attention. And that's the space that we live in. All these things vying for our attention. But in the middle of it we have scriptures like this where God's inviting us audaciously, gracefully, incredibly. He's saying this is something that you can do. You can set your mind on the realities of heaven. On things that are eternal. On stuff that, <laughs> And the heart of God isn't to take from yours, or for you to be a come. The heart of God is to give to you as we would do that. This is something you can do. You can remember Jesus. You can decide to remember who you are, remember what you believe, remember he's been raised from the dead, remember he's seated at the right hand of the Father, remember he's returning, remember he's going to redeem it all, remember what he's done in your life, remember the ways that he's never failed you, the way that He showed up, remember what matters and what doesn't, remember and don't give up. And I can only speak from my experience, but I guarantee that those of us who are around pursue the presence of God will tell you that when you find the presence of God, when you pursue it, when you remember Him, it, that it's the opposite experience to the vacuous kind of doom scrolling that we find in here. And you find instead of like a relentless, never satisfied, kind of just fatigued mental state, instead you find the rest that comes from being in the presence of God. You find yourself overawed, you find yourself with goosebumps, you find something like, like swelling up in your heart, you find a deep-seated satisfaction of knowing that Jesus is enough. And what call to you this morning the scriptures call I'm gone, it's like this is something that is open to you. You don't have to just walk around. I'm convinced that a lot of the mental fatigue, I experience it myself, but I have a lot of the mental fatigue that I just hear in everyone, how are you doing? I'm tired. Like, it's because we're immersed in, in in this kind of stuff. And if it wasn't phones, it'd be something else. I'm not painting out phones to be evil or whatever. But like we just we're so easily. I think you'll see said something is like, it's not that that man, like it was very difficult to satisfy, but that we're all too easily satisfied. Like that, we, we just, we just grab onto like little things and look for them to satisfy our points and point some joy. Rather than these eternal, eternal truths. Like Jesus is real. Jesus lived, like the Son of God came to earth. Died on your behalf, resurrected to new life. He's returning, there's a new kingdom coming. There's a new heaven, new earth coming. The redemption of it all. These are the things that should be occupying our mind and our conversations. And when we're together, encouraging us with one another, praying with one another in those things, just they should, they should floor us. Because this gospel message is true. And out of it flows life, full life, satisfied life. And that's what this passage is about. I think it's saying, it's saying what gets your attention. You have a choice. What's going to get your attention? And whatever gets your attention gets your heart. Whatever gets your heart determines the shape of your life. So we have the choice what do we what do we focus on jesus deserves to be the center of that attention
1: i just want to look at
0: a couple of phrases in this passage to remind us of just how great he is you yeah? i'm not going to jump into the, the the bits today of you know put aside sexual morality and greed and slander and all that i want it if i can this morning even by just reading it out the holy spirit i ask that you would do this um if i can just remind us of the greatness of god just even our minds to be expanded to say, I did not even realize this was true about me. Or I've forgotten that this was true about me. We just dwell on how, how great he is. First of all, look at the first verse, right? You have been raised in the of Christ. So set yourselves in the realities of heaven. Well, Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. We you know Jesus descended into heaven. Just think about it. So, Jesus, the human, and the human resurrected body, the human sits in heaven right now at God's right hand. Jesus in human form. As the promise of a humanity that's gone to to rule and reign with him in his kingdom but more than it just being about jesus listen to this Um, jesus sits in the place of honor at god's right hand but that's huge right but here's where it gets bigger is that scripture somehow holds out that you've become part of this story it doesn't just say since christ was raised from the dead right since you have been raised to new life with christ This is taking some of those attributes of Jesus. We know Jesus was raised from the dead, but now it's saying it's not just because Jesus raised to new life, now he's deserving of honour and worthy of respect and all that stuff, which is true, right? It would be true by itself. But it it extends that story to us. You have been raised to new life with God. Since you have been raised. It wasn't just Jesus, it was you. And then we know Jesus died on the cross, but look at verse 3, right? It says, for you died to this life, and your real life is given with Christ the God. You died to this life. Not just Jesus who died, but somehow when our faith was put in him, it's like, it's like we died to our old life. His story and our story are all overlapped. We need to give our attention to, to, to what it is that Jesus has done for us. The Bible somehow speaks about the story of Jesus like it was, like it was our story. It speaks about us like we actually we actually died to that life. It takes Jesus' story and it superimposes it And I think that's the key, really, guys, to how how we change, how we're transformed. It's the identification with Jesus. It doesn't say, try not to sin. It says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking with you because because you died with Christ on the cross. It gets down to a deeper level of of reality. There's something supernatural that happened to us when we put our faith in Jesus. It's not just Jesus as example, now try and live like Jesus lived. It's like somehow his story... Came to dwell in us by the power of his Holy Spirit, became ours, and we became something something new. Not just try not to sin, it says you're dead to that. It was gone, it's crucified. Somehow I think as Christians we walk around believing, well we're just always gonna struggle with sin. And there might always be, sin is always there. But we can take it a further extent and think, oh, we're powerless against that. That's something I'm just always gonna, I'm just always gonna deal with. Our scripture holds out something different, says that thing is dead. Isn't that thing, the significance in the crucifixion of Jesus, the Son of God, something happened at that point that made it possible for us to die to that old life, for that power to be, to be gone. So what I'm struggling with sin, is not just in the realm of self-discipline or trying harder. It's in the realm of like, my identity with Jesus. I can realize and slow down and dwell on the fact that, that, that it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me, it says in Scripture. I've been crucified with Christ. The hope is gone, the new is gone. It says here that my real life is hidden with Christ and God. My real life, my eternal life is hidden with Christ and God. That's, that's huge. And dwelling on that, right? I don't know a, a minute to say it out loud, but if you took a piece of this scripture each day for the next month, just like dwelt on it, gave your attention to it, meditated on it, just what did them words actually mean? Now, what's the implication of that that's true what does that actually what's that actually mean for my life that's, that's nuts verse 7 it says about sin right so not just don't sin. it says he used to do these these things when your life was still a part of this world what's the implication of that what's it saying it's saying that your life isn't a part of this world anymore what does that mean what is it a part of it's a part of the kingdom of god your real life is hidden with christ And God, it goes to the core of this identity. This is huge. And I don't think we take a hold of it. I think we we kind of struggle just walking around trying not to sin without without beholding these realities, these things that are hard to grasp, right, and hard to struggle. That's why we need to set our mind on them. That's why we need one another. We need to, to meditate on them. But as we do, that they will become a reality in our lives. According to Christ, you're a part of his kingdom. Your identity is Righteous. In Jesus, it's loved, it's forgiven, it's freed, it's accepted, you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, that we need to realise who we are and act accordingly, the enemy would want you to act differently, the enemy would want you to just look at your behaviour, the enemy would want you to like, take your eyes off Jesus and just try and do your best and then lead you into condemnation when you know your best isn't good enough, or try and do your best and then when you do something good lead you into pride when you feel your best is good enough, either way is a dead end, two enemies of the gospel, this gospel that says you're so loved, and you're so accepted, and you've been made a new creation. Now you get to live empowered by the Holy Spirit. You get to live the reality of that. We put to death the old ways and we put on our new nature. In the same way as getting over the sin, that the way of doing the positive things that like God has called us to isn't just again about self-effort. He's like, put on your new nature. What's he saying? Though? I think he's saying, like, remember who you are every day. Put it on. way did you put on your clothes when you, get, when you get, like I wear new clothes straight away when I buy them. I wear them out of the shop. I, mean, I thought everybody did that. Patrice liked actually about I like white new shoes, put them on, when walk on in them. And uh, you know, we, like, there's a desire to, to, to wear things that we bought. Yeah, things that we, we, we own. Ken spoke about, the, I already felt this good message from Ken two weeks ago about putting on the armor of God. It's like, I had this picture as you speak, imagine we had the armor of God, helmet, salvation, breath, faith, and all that. We just leave in the wardrobe. We're not putting on that stuff. It's a choice not to walk in in, in the reality of what God has given us, blessed us with. And it seems ludicrous to us. But God speaks about it here. He's like, put on this stuff. Put on your new nature and be renewed. How? As you know your creator and become like him. Again, new statements, guys. You can know the creator. Not just know about him, but you can, know, you can know him to the extent that you become like him. What does that speak of intimacy? It speaks of being connected to the extent that you begin to, 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 to mirror and reflect the attributes of your creator. Huge. In this new life, again, it speaks about the new things we do. Not just do them. It's like doing them because you have a new life. Put it on. Christ is all that matters. He lives in you. He lives in you. We say these things Again. He lives in, Christ lives in you. Like if that's true, like do you think you're just meant to get by? Christ lives in you. If that's true, do you think we're meant to walk around heavy and weighed down with Christ? Christ, like Jesus, if he lives in you, if that's true, do you think you're powerless against the enemy? Against sin? If that's true. No, but our our, our, our decision is to, to put on this stuff. Because God has chosen us to be his holy people. We're meant to clothe ourselves with this. That's the language that it's like. He's chosen. Here's who you are. Now here's how you participate in it. Clothe yourself in it. Remember it. Determine that when you get up, this is who you're going to be. It speaks about clothe yourself in tender hearted, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. It's like ending up in the morning, it's like this is who I am in God. So I like, out, oh, this is what the world can expect from me. Like that I'm gonna live with tender hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness. I'm gonna put those things on, expecting that as I do, I'm empowered to live that way. I'm not just gonna flow through life and see what happens. No, it's intentional. This is who God says I am. This is what the fruit of my life should be. I'm gonna put that on and expect that that's what's gonna happen as I live out. That people are gonna be loved. That people are gonna experience kindness and gentleness. They're gonna experience the fruit of the Spirit through in my life, I'm deciding to take a hold of those things day after day. Guys, we need, I'm convinced, like, just, like rhythms of life, ways of being together that, 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 that makes that happen, like that makes it more likely to happen. Ways of reminding one another, being attention, uh, intentional about it, that we choose to give God our attention and we choose to put that stuff on and say, This is what the world's going to experience of me because this is who I am in Jesus. So Jesus says I am, and I'm going, to, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to step into that. I'm going to put myself in the way of awe, of seeing him, like bring it open with me, putting ourselves in the way in the way of Jesus, of just recognising, seeing who he is, dwelling on words like that that should blow our minds and allowing them, to like, giving ourselves the space to do that before we just run off to do whatever else it is, work or distraction or whatever. Is there anything that could be more worthwhile to do with your time than meditating on the word of the Lord? And allowing him to blow your mind with who he is and who you are. allowing him to infill you with his love. Is there anything? There's no religion. There's no good works. There's no, there's no nothing that's worth doing ahead of that. I could or should bypass it or take it over. We need to decide this is what I'm aligning myself today. It's, it's about our attention. And I'm convinced it's about being together as we do this. You know, look, we live in an individualistic world and most likely... Throughout my whole life, actually, when I hear sermons, here's where it goes in my brain. Like, okay, Rob, well, so now, here's what, here's what to do when I get up earlier in the morning, spend some time with the Lord by yourself, go for a walk by yourself, or do whatever. And some of that's probably because I'm an introvert, right? I like just being by myself, right? You don't have to convince me of that stuff. But, uh, but the Bible, look at when read the last few verses here, and it speaks, speaks in the plural, it speaks to a body. And the truth is, guys, that we need one another. And I need you guys. And I'm not just saying that as some sort of way to convince you that you need me. I'm actually saying that to you people. I, I need you guys to live, to live this life. Jesus has intentionally made us a body with different members. He's intentionally not given anybody all of the gifts that he gives so that we need one another. He's intentionally not given somebody all of the insight. Or somebody all of the, the faith. I need people who will be around me in my life. That'll stir me up. I need people who will call me and pray for me. I need people who will call me and say, Rob, I had a word for you. I need people who will recognise when I'm not myself and they're able to call out, Rob, what's going on here? I need people who will recognise sin in my life that I'm blind to, who cannot call it out, who are close enough to me, and who, who love me enough to say, Rob, let's get together and deal with this thing in the Lord. I need, I need that. And I believe that you need that. Because I believe scripture says that we need that. Whenever it speaks about this stuff, it's not just about you and your relationship with the Lord. It's about us. It's about the body. It's about the family. It's about how we're connected to one another. And the final verse of it is above all, call yourselves in love, which what? Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its riches fill your lives and teach and counsel each other. With all the wisdom he gives, sing sounds and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you, seek, you do or say, you do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to Him. You see the plural in it? It's like, guys, remember, you're a body. Remember, you need one another. Like, like, speak to one another. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that He gives. There's wisdom that, you, that your brother or sister sitting beside you needs that you have things that you've learned in God, things you've walked in God, things that God gives you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we need to teach one another. I love this space. I love that I get to teach. I love people who get to preach. I love that we get to come together on Sunday. But more and more, I'm just convinced, experientially and through Scripture, that it's not enough. And it's not enough to have like an hour and a half together and then we go off and just live individually during the during the week. And I, I just don't see that that's what... I came to... To reconcile us to Him and to reconcile us to one another. Yeah, I won't preach again, but the the demonstration that there's a oneness, there's a unity that the church is meant to exhibit that shows to the world that this has to be true that Jesus was raised from the dead. Because look at the way that they love one another. There's a reality in that, and it's only us. It's not us stirring it up. It's just living in the reality of God has connected us. We broke the same bread there and ate from the same loaf. We're connected in Jesus, and we need to put on that that same unity. And I know, right? When it comes to this stuff, I know it's much easier, right? Believe me, if I could stand up and preach and say you just need to hear this and then go off and work it out yourself, that suits me, yeah. That suits who I am as a person, like that, like that's what I would preach to you if I like, could. But it doesn't. It says that you need, you need one another. You need to be connected to one another. And that, that, I know, as our individualists, some of you in your heart be like, "I don't need anyone. Do you know what I mean? I can just, I can do this myself. I have the capability." Or there's like awkwardness that gets you know, right? what's that even look like, cross? Right? I think we need to normalize that stuff. We need to, remember Martin when, uh, like, um, I don't know what but, when you were living in Gricetown, we used to meet with you sometimes and you'd be just like, oh, I just came from, just had a bit of prayer with Tom there. Or you just had, like that sort of stuff just going on. Where it's just normal, brothers to be together. remember I had friends, uh, who, Sharon, and, uh, Wayne and Phil and them lads lived together down there in Trimla. And uh, I'd knock over to them and they'd just be like, oh, we just had a bit of prayer there. We just had a bit of worship. Like, well, that should be the norm in our lives that we're together doing this stuff. It's great to do it in organised gatherings. Believe me, I'm not speaking against the Sunday morning or the Wednesday nights or whatever we have going on. That's brilliant, that's powerful, that's, that's amazing. And it's great to have that organised stuff. And God is there and he's present and that's, that, that's amazing. But beyond that, beyond that, well, that's just Monday morning phone calls. the Lord put it on my heart. Can we, get it, can we get lunch together? Let me tell you what the Lord is say. Like that, that, We need to normalise, I believe, that deep level of, of intimacy with one another. And I know there's awkwardness that gets in the way. And I know there's like Irish the grudgery where we're afraid, like God, like we step out, like oh, you know who would I think I am? I'm not the pastor, I'm not whatever. There's nothing more reaching out in that way. But someone has to be bold enough to take those steps. So, like let's walk together, I'm over for dinner. And then we, go, we won't just talk about the football, we'll just share a story. We say what God's been doing in our lives. We say what God hasn't been doing in our lives. We feel a lack of it and we pray, we encourage one another. Whatever it is, that there's a, there's a real overlapping. And we need to, to take it on to the extent that that's not weird, but that's that's normal. That's normal to us. And so my challenge to you, I'm going to finish with a song we we'll sing together that to says sing Sam's and spiritual songs. But um, my um, challenge to you this week is to to give your attention to God. But a better better challenge to that is to give your attention to God along with somebody else. Just to step out, like, can we? We're brothers. I need you. You need me. We get together and talk about the things of God. We get together and play some worship songs. Let that, let that not be weird. You know what I mean? Let that be the norm of what we do. Let's come over and have an hour, come over and let's worship the Lord and then have dinner together. Like, Just establish ways that gives our attention to God. Because, like I said, if we don't have a plan and if we're not in it together to do it, then we'd just be wrapped up in whatever the world demands of our attention. It's just, it's so relentless. It's so difficult, it's so aligned against you that we need, we need one another and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. So find a way to do it with someone, your spouse, your kids, your neighbour, your brother, on the phone, over breakfast, over lunch, over whatever it is. Just take those steps. If you don't pray with your spouse, just start. Pray, you don't pray with your kids, start. If you don't pray with your brothers, you get together, even if you're Christians, you get together and you just talk about whatever, the goal. Just be determined. I'm just going gonna, gonna to ask you what God's been doing in your life. See where, see where it goes. Set new norms to that stuff. And as we do, I'm convinced that this is what God wants our attention, and that when we just go down individually, that we're fighting and lose and back up some hell, Because the world just sways us. That we need one another to help one another give our attention to the Lord. And it's in that space of just creating the space for God to blow our minds with who he is, that we're really changed. From the inside out, and those lists, then when we read them, don't become condemning or prideful. Instead, those things become lists like we, re- we recognize. This is who I'm becoming. This is this is who I am in Jesus. I'm, who I'm becoming more day after day as I like behold and reflect and put it on. Um,